Welcome back to The Walkthrough. I'm your host, Byron Lazine, along with co-host Eric Simon, The Broke Agent, where every single week we check off real estate's most trending topics. We've got joining us again for a second time on The Walkthrough, Dustin Brom, an EXP agent and more known as The Massive Agent and his Massive Agent podcast. And we also have for the first time Jeremy Knight, notably a real agent, the real deal when it comes to creating content, a YouTube expert and a friend of BAM. What's going on, fellas? What's happening? Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. We are happy to have both of you guys here because the first topic we are going to tackle and check off is the EXP news that BAM broke. So EXP is potentially cherry picking numbers on a prior walkthrough end of June, Dustin, you had shared with us a slide from the EXP conference, which happened in June. This slide showed that EXP has absolutely zero debt. And then there was other companies that do have debt and they, they were EXP. I wasn't at the conference, but paraphrasing here, was saying that, hey, this is a good thing for us and look at maybe not so good for other companies. But it was, as we did a little bit of digging, brought to our attention that some of these numbers, basically all of these numbers were not correct. They were not necessarily debt. When you dig into public 10K forms, these numbers were other things. Uh, liabilities or you know, basically just operating expenses potentially for some of these companies. And so Dustin, one, when you shared the slide, did you think this was going to turn into weeks of content? And two, uh, do you think this is just basic, you know, good old fashioned marketing from, from EXP and the way they maybe selected the numbers? Um, yes to both. No, it was actually a little scam of mine to get back on the show. <laughs> um, genius. Yeah. You Smart. planned the whole thing. Totally planned. Uh, in fact, the CFO and I planned it just for this situation. Um, no, I, I mean, to be honest, there's, we need to know what debt even means. Like what's considered debt. I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot of accuracy, but there's probably some, you know, cherry picking or, you know, this, that I don't even understand it, but well, so, and so, yeah, EXP says they're debt free. Real says they're debt free. Um, what is considered debt? I don't know. I know sometimes companies um, debt or the uh, restricted stock units when they when they give stock to um, to agents shows up as debt sometimes, but that may not even be right either. So I don't know. And none of us are financial advisors. Pulling right from the BAM article, liability debt. Let's break down the differences between liability and debt. To put it simply, debt refers to money that is borrowed and must be repaid in the future. Liability includes mm -hmm. both short-term and long-term financial obligations, including salaries. Salaries would not be debt, obviously. Liability, leases, and taxes on a balance sheet. Debt is typically re reported in long-term liability section or debt section. Short-term liabilities are often reported in current liabilities. So, I mean, we, we are getting a little bit of a little technical here on picking apart the balance sheet and what is actually debt. 
real has been very emphatic that this number here that we saw on the chart, the 12 million labeled as year-end debt by EXP is not debt, that they too, like EXP, have zero debt. Jeremy, as a real uh, agent, do you is that something you've heard over and over from real that there's zero debt? And then was this slide when you saw it shocking to you? Yeah. What's really interesting about this is like, I feel I'm, it's, it's more disappointing to me than anything, because if you look at it, the numbers, if you want to go down those same column, the, the, the numbers don't make sense. So it's disappointing that a marketing piece like this has to come out. Look, I'm used to agents putting out misleading marketing, right? They're the expert of this or the expert of that. But when it comes from the higher ups of a brokerage trying to take swings down at other brokerages. Like you're an 80,000 agent brokerage. Talk about how awesome that is. We're 5,000 agents. Why bring us into this? Right. It's disappointing for me because I was at EXP for five years. I left KW. I heard all of the things about going from KW EXP about how I wasn't going to be productive, how I, I was, uh, this person got fired for this, that person sleeping with this person. This is crazy. Don't go to EXP. And when I left EXP five years later, sorry, after hitting icon after icon after icon after icon and leaving $168,000 on the table to come to real, now I have to hear these same things coming back over here. So that's disappointing. It's disappointing because I don't want to talk about stuff like this. You know, we have amazing agents that are coming over and EXP has amazing agents. I'm, it, like all of my, some of my really, really good friends are at EXP. And so when we bar back and forth, having a good time, it's a good time. But when you make misleading stats that then go out to the agents, then that becomes the rallying cry. Well, don't go to real because of this. It's the same thing I heard at EXP. So it's really disappointing for that. Second reason I feel like this is disappointing is, have you ever seen the Michael Phelps uh, photo where Michael Phelps is swimming and the guy next to him is looking over at him? If you're going to be successful, look forward. Why are you swinging down at another brokerage that's 5,000 agents. So that's disappointing. The thing is other disappointing is I want to talk about the cool stuff. We were just talking before we get on here, Erica Wolf just decided the Wolf of uh, Real Estate decided to come over. We have all these amazing collaborations that are happening in real. We have all these amazing things that we're doing. We actually have really good tech. I moved over and I, I plugged into the Chime website, Chime tool, and all of my leads that were sitting there doing nothing on KV Core started converting on and so I, I on time. So I want to talk about fun stuff. Like I want to talk about the collaboration that happens at, at real because the collaboration is insane. Every single day you have mega agents like Ken Posick jumping on and talking about what he's doing, talking about how to build a database. We're doing all these fun events around the country uh, called new agent left behind where we're giving back to agents. That's it. We're giving back. So it's just frustrating for me that that's, this is the way they want to go with it. If you just talk about how great you are, 80,000 agents, you got stock, you got icon awards and you got all that fun stuff. Talk about that. Don't, don't swing down to other brokerages. D Dustin, have you seen more uh, messaging coming from EXP as of late? Um, th there's uh, some examples that I could point to from the top that they've been talking about copycat competition more so than they ever did in the past. And maybe, you know, maybe it's just because nobody was copying them. Well, do you, do you feel like EXP is focused too much right now on people copying this model that they certainly didn't invent? Maybe it's new to real estate, but they didn't invent it in general mm. uh, and getting away mm. from their bread and butter or, or, is, or am I just making that up? Uh, you're making it up. I don't hear any of it. Um, I mean, EXP took, they took inspiration from Keller Williams model, you know? So it's, it's not this like new invention that no one had ever thought of before. It's an improvement of a model. It's an evolution. 
So I don't think anybody, any agent, well, there's, there's 80,000 agents. So there's obviously some idiots in there, but I don't think the average agent or anyone in the C-suite thinks that we have like this invention. Like we all know where it came from and that's fine. Like we, we took something that worked, made it better. Cool. Um, I, I think it's, it's a bit overblown to say that, you know, we're swinging down at anybody that the whole spirit of that whole thing is to say we're in great financial shape. So does it then, then tell the truth? Yeah, don't, I, don't then the well, truth. Is, I, is it a lie? Is it, I don't know. Like, well, how then do we show that you have 190 million in liabilities. We have 13 or 12, whatever it was. So that's, that's my real number point. then. Like, well, do you know? Then I, be honest know about it. Then don't put out that. If you don't know the real number, then don't put out that slide and don't send it out to your agents. No, I'm saying, I don't know the real number. You don't right. know the real number. The, well, the, I know the, the real the number. CFO probably does as a publicly traded company. Maybe they cherry picked. I don't know, but it's no different than Keller Williams with their agent count. You know, like it, it's marketing. It's it's a spin. Every company does it. Every company will do it. I just I think we're blowing it way out of proportion, trying to make it some scandal for clicks. Well, the the real numbers were different than obviously how they reported them. Just just doing the you know this is all public data on these public 10K forms. Bam, we we didn't do anything really. Um, right. special as opposed to spending the two weeks of, of due diligence. I will, I do want to share a tweet because what, what, and, and if you guys can zoom in there, this is a sense deleted tweet from Glenn Sanford. This was over the uh, 4th of July weekend. So, so Dustin, you said I'm making it up. I, I didn't make up this tweet. I, you know, I didn't do the editing. This is a real screenshot uh, from the CEO of EXP. The copycats are coming out of the woodwork and and so I just haven't seen this this type of concern from EXP that people are copying the model in the past. So there is, to my point, th a, a this, tweet this is growing... not top down training or you know per, you know messaging company wide or anything like that. It's a tweet. Like he could have if been Tamir had put out a tweet hey, like that, we'd be talking about Tamir putting a tweet out like that. So it, it, it's a sense it's a sense deleted tweet. By the way, I, yeah. I do think that there's. It's it's interesting to see that that t tweet and the thread, which which I have screenshot and maybe you'll see a BAM article coming on that, uh, you know, is all deleted. He, he didn't want to leave that conversation up there. So so there is to me and listen, lots of friends at EXP as well, for yeah. sure. Fastest growing brokerage for sure have come up with a model that has disrupted brokerage. And people are going to copy, but there is more sure. so I'd say in the, in this first half of the year concern about, Hey, why are people uh, copying us? Every other brokerage before them was copying each other and, and iterating on, on top of those models. I, I think I take issue with the word concern. I think it's more of just an awareness and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's healthy, you know, to, to completely ignore, I don't think makes business sense. I mean, you should kind of have some idea what else is out there. I, as an agent, am always looking at what else is out there because I always want to be at the best possible spot, right? So I, and I want to be the most educated. So I, I think it's, it's a healthy level of awareness. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's concern, especially top-down concern or anything like that, but just a, an awareness and it's, it's part of the discussion. Gary Keller was pretty aware of EXP when, when I left. So it's What's kind that? of funny that Gary Keller said a lot of things about EXP when, when I true. left and for a very long time. In fact, it got to a point. A lot of people. 
Right. Of course. So yeah. it's, it's funny that, you know, EXP went to the online Donkey Kong because of stuff said by KW. So, uh, you know, to, in the grand scheme of things, you're right. It's a marketing piece. Uh, we can debunk a marketing piece and, and that's great. I think it's healthy. Honestly, it, it, while it's, it's frustrating that this would come out, I think it's good, healthy because it, it yes. makes good conversation. Yeah. On the, on the flip I side, I haven't seen this, this much, bite back from real since the brokerage started you can point towards lab coat agents which which i was able to get the uh thank you tristan i was able to get this story approved on lab coat agents i think it's good because like we're saying this is a good conversation uh for everybody to have people thinking exp people th people thinking real people maybe thinking about starting a model um you know i know some people that have started little indie models that are that are duplicating kind of the formula that's worked for exp and real but tim macy's comment uh, he, he kicked it off there on lab code agents. This boils down to the fact they said that we're millions in debts and we're not, this is false. He says, I know a lot of agents make up stuff's kind of similar to what we've been saying, but I expect more from the company itself. Uh, lab code agents post has been getting tons and tons and tons of comments as is the Instagram post on bam, Eric. Your thoughts as opposed, Eric, your thoughts on this or uh, the fact that there have been a bunch of lab code agents saying that anything named broke agent media can't be, be reputable. Yeah. They laugh at us until they, what's the, what's the phrase? They laugh at us until they like us. There's something better than that. <laughs> but I saw a funny comment too, about a, the Keller Williams to real pipeline. You go from K-Dub to EXP to real as agents continue to get radicalized, which I thought was a pretty funny uh, political analogy there. <laughs> but uh, my thoughts are on this is it's great content. Um, as you know, massive agent said, it's good for clicks. It's a good conversation starter. Yeah. And it's just good for agents to well, defend their brokerage and, um, you know, talk about the competition. And I think also Dustin's right about looking at your competition and looking at other brokerages that are doing something similar to you. I do that too with all my content. I'm always looking at other pages, smaller pages, bigger pages and seeing exactly what they're doing. I'm constantly aware of everyone in the real estate space creating content. How can I tweak it? How can I make it better? So I think that was a good point by Dustin. Yeah, what, what I like about this, I mean, so while it's, like I said, it's definitely frustrating, but what I do like about this is there's a lot of agents that are at brick and mortar places that are paying thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousand dollars in commissions every year to their broker, right? Or splits. And they're looking for a model like this. So um, it's good to have a healthy bar back and forth every now and then, because look, it puts a spotlight on EXP. It puts a spotlight on us, whether it's good or bad, it puts a spotlight. And you know, what they say is, you know, bad press is always good press. So I don't think that this is the worst thing in the world for EXP. Again, like I said, I have a lot of great friends there. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for real as well. Dustin, fi final thoughts. Um, did, did uh, to answer the question and, and, and I guess maybe there's not an answer. Do, do you think this was intentional gut feeling to selectively pick numbers or oversight? Um, I don't know. And it might even be a mix of both, you know, because I, I want to know where the numbers came from. I don't believe that they're just made up, that they're just like pulled out of somebody's ass. Like, <laughs> let's say that they're 13 million in debt. That number came from somewhere. So, I mean, this is a publicly traded company at the shareholders event giving out. Well, Byron broke down where figures, the numbers so. came Yeah, that, from. that one, that 12,993,000, if we're talking about real brokerages. They came from different places on the balance it, sheet. Is that. It was, it was found on the brokerage's 10K form, which is, you know, pub, they're a public trade company. So they have to put out this 10K 
uh, balance sheet, uh, total liabilities, which total liabilities, again, could be salaries and these ongoing operating expenses, which, you know, if we're talking about those, I think we'd all agree. And by definition, that that, that wouldn't be debt. Uh, and everybody, they had Remax wrong. They had Compass wrong. They had Redfin wrong. They had Realogy wrong. They had Fathom wrong. So it was just, mm. it was just interesting. And there's a table on the, we'll, we'll link up the article, obviously that we're referring to. Why is EXP cherry picking the numbers that that's just the clickbait title, but that the article has it's a, a lot title. of great information. Uh, I definitely, he, uh, well, let's wrap up this topic. Do you think there'd be value in a, like we did with the me and Ricky Carruth debate, having an EXP and real debate that's maybe not one person and one person. Maybe it's a three-person panel on each side. Would there be value in that, not in a negative way, but a positive, uplifting way for both companies? Yes. I think it could be good. Uh, I don't think leadership really wants to have that debate or thinks it's appropriate to have that debate because we're focused on what we're doing, not what other brokerages are doing. Um, I can say that it, uh, David Caldwell and I had a very spirited uh, conversation at the Tom Ferry event a, a week ago. And where we separated ways was that doesn't matter if you're EXP or real, the best thing about both brokerages is that you get stock back in the company or you get your cap back in a company by hitting elite or icon. And so that was one of the things that we walked away with going, yeah, I mean, no other brokerage really is giving you that. So um, look, EXP is a great model. Real is a great model, whether you're looking at either one. I mean, if you want to have that debate, I, you know, have to probably get that approved <laughs> by the higher uh, Jeremy, I think, I think you'd be in on that debate regardless of what Tamir uh likes or doesn't like about it. All right. Checking that one off yeah. going on to topic number two, kind of rolling off of building agent wealth. Let's talk about home ownership wealth. This is a KCM uh, chart that if we could pop up, uh, love to talk about this a little bit. You can get these charts down below. Try KCM.com forward slash BAM. Definitely encourage everybody to do that. You can try it for free. This is content made for you and content to help you educate people with uh, questions right now. So something that keeps coming up is basically, should we be buying real estate? Should we be investing in real estate? Is this a bad investment? The numbers are clear over time. This is a NAR report they did uh, earlier in the year that if you own real estate for five years, the typical uh, wealth gain is 155,000. 10 years, your typical wealth gain is almost a quarter of a million. And if you own real estate for 30 years, the typical wealth gain, depending on location and your price point and all of that, is on average $359,000. I think if you go back to the 1930s, when when your real estate and and you know the ability to purchase real estate became more streamlined, there's never really been a time when owning real estate was bad for your wealth. The, the homeowner 75x more wealthy than the renter. So- in a time when crypto is tanking, in a time when if you look at your stock portfolio, you are not loving what you see, right? Like I don't even want to look anymore at some <laughs> of my stocks. And I'm, I'm certain, buying more now. And, and if you own real and EXP, by the way, you probably don't want to look at those stocks either. Right. But but that goes <laughs> that goes for all stocks. At a time when all that's happening, wouldn't it, even with real estate pre prices being, being at their highest, wouldn't it be 
our job as real estate professionals to educate consumers on this might be the safest place for you to build wealth outside of a business or something that you own. Dustin, you're shaking your head. Go ahead. Yeah. And I think we need to take it a step further and sometimes educate people on why they should not sell their house, why they should make it an investment property anyways. You had a great TikTok on this. I just commented on it today. I love that TikTok. Paraphrase what you said in there. Yeah. I mean, if it's very rare that you find somebody that's like, I'm so glad I sold my house 20 years ago. You know, everyone wishes they would have held onto it. The lifetime value of a property is so high. And if, if you are able to, like not, not everyone can keep their house and buy another one, but if you can do it, keep it as an, as an investment property, you're going to continue to get the equity gain. You're going to, you're going to cash flow, and it's just an amazing wealth builder over time. Um, and then you'd have two properties. So I, I think so many people just think the only option for them is, well, I need, we're going to, we need to upsize. So we need to sell our house. Well, sometimes you do, but what if you don't? Uh, I think it, it would behoove agents to, you know, put on their advisor hat a bit more and, and maybe talk people out of selling um, depending on the situation. Yeah, what's interesting about, so I run a very large YouTube channel and I get questions constantly in the comments about this alone. And I get the, you know, people like, oh, you real estate agents are scumbags. Cause what are we like? Uh, just one above most trusted is uh, we're just above lawyers. So we're not the most trusted uh, when it comes to an industry. Uh, what's interesting is I get this question a lot on my channel. And so I will literally, and I just posted this comment today. Somebody asked me if they should sell their house based on all of these things. And I literally wrote in the comments, no, you shouldn't. You should continue to hold it because unless you, unless you can't, right? Do you need that money for something? Does it have to go somewhere? Do you have all this debt you have to take care of? Can, can you do a home equity line instead? Can you do any of those things? Like these are a bunch of different things that you could do instead of holding that property. I mean, you showed the slide right there. You went from 155 to 350. In the last two years in Austin, people saw 200 to $300,000 property value gains. And now people are like, oh, I'm going to cash in. I'm like, why are you cashing in? Rent that out, pull out a home equity line out, whatever, rent that out, and then have somebody else pay the mortgage on that. that that's a better financial situation. I think you're right. I think agents should spend more time with the advisor hat on. I think that's why if you're going to have a platform like YouTube or a longstanding platform, be freaking consistent with what you're saying. Don't say everybody needs to sell right now. In fact, I, I on my channel, I just said in back in February, I'm like, hey, if you're going to sell this year, you got to get your home on the market before June. Here's why. If you don't need to get your home on the market, hold it. So I think it's really important agents sit back and say, hey, look, let's not go after commission breath because, and I said this on a live stream yesterday on my channel, the best thing an agent can do is continue to be honest because you'll create more clients out of being honest than you are towing the line of like, I just want a paycheck. Yeah, absolutely. And the best way to build trust is to be so damn transparent that it cuts through all the other noise. That's what Dustin's TikTok did. That's what your comment that you just referenced did where you're like, don't, when you say to somebody, oh, actually my advice in your situation with your income, with where you own property, that location would be not to sell that resonates. And it's like, I'm asking you all of my real estate needs every single time I have a question because you give me the truth. We're building trust. We, we have a, a relationship that I can lean on and depend on you as the educator, as the advisor. Uh, absolutely. Totally agree with that. All right. Let's, let's check that one off. 
and move on to an article that uh, Bam Staff wrote, marketing that last years, not days. And let's go to the video here. We'll start off with the uh, Jason Pantana video that we had embedded in the article. And then Eric will paraphrase what we mean by this. And before you start the video, I just want to say that in a, in a world where like we put so much, some people put so much production time. I'm thinking of like who we talked about last week, Colin with the blink 182 video that Eric completely blew up, uh, you know, the whole production that he had, the signs and everything. And that may have a shelf life of a week. Right. So to the, to the point here, maybe creating content that has a longer shelf life, especially with how much people are investing in it. Let's watch the Pantana video. Some types of marketing efforts only have short-lived results, but there are some marketing investments that appreciate over time. For example, your Google business profile, reviews, photos, videos, it gains marketing momentum over time. Second is searchable YouTube videos. YouTube's a search engine more than it is a social network. And so because people are willing to watch for longer, you can create search optimized videos of people moving to or selling in your area and they'll stack up views as time goes on. Number three is your TikTok video library. TikTok videos definitely run through the feed like a traditional social network, poof, they're gone. But when somebody follows you, TikTok's more likely to show all your other videos to see if they'll like those too. So they have some longevity. And last is SEO built through blogging. Everything you post on social, every video, everything should be created into a blog post because every time you add a blog post, it lives on in the afterlife of Google SEO. Marketing is definitely worthwhile, but sometimes it's only short lived. Reality right. is some types all of- right. All right, so, we don't need to watch that thing twice. Ma uh, for, maybe a little- Maybe a little high on the volume of the music, Pantan. A little pro tip. For I was that. just going to say, yeah, drop that to a choice. one or a two and yeah. choose an instrumental of that version. Yeah. For anyone yeah. listening to this, go to Massive Agent's Instagram. He has the best instrumentals. Whenever I need an instrumental for a podcast or anytime I'm over overlaying audio over like someone speaking, I go to his because he has all the audios right there. Do you have so. the orchestra come play for you while you do that? Or how yeah, how's exactly. the best way to do, do that? So, so that way it's all original audio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking, it's all original audio. <laughs> speaking of which, Instagram has been, we're just doing a post on BAM about this today. Instagram has been removing reels and videos over the last like year, year and a half. I don't know if you guys are getting emails, but I've had about 10 posts removed. And this happens sometimes with copyright infringement or if an artist wants their song off Spotify or something like that. So to Jason's point, if you're constantly jumping on trends and using trending audios for everything and you're so reliant on you know the lip syncs and the finger pointing and just doing something that is very timely, that post is not relevant and that post could also be removed um, you know, whenever, basically. So I think the evergreen content is really important. I think that's why the blog and having posts that are more sustainable, that isn't just all timely, like the five best YouTube channels to follow, the five best apps for realtors from like a band perspective or something like that, stuff that people searching, that's extremely important for agents building their profile and brands building their profile. Every every podcast that you produce, you should just rip off exactly what BAM is doing where it's got the blog attached. We, we had a recent real word that the blog was trending on the first page of Google is when we were, it was a month or two ago when we were talking about some news in the the lawsuits that are happening in the industry and it was trending on Google, the blog was right. And so, so that directs more feedback to the video and it gives it as people are searching this lawsuit, because there's going to be some stuff that happens in January and people are going to go back to search what all means that blog is going to keep resurfacing and resurfacing who does this better than anybody. Well, we happen to have him on the show today. It's Jeremy Knight with his YouTube channel. 
and Jeremy, tell us about some videos or some content that you've done on your channel that is accomplishing exactly what Jason's talking about a one year, a two year or longer shelf life. Yeah. So this is one thing that I've been, you know, as agents, we try to figure out what content we should be putting out. And so this is something I've put a lot of thought into is something that is going to be long-term. So one of the biggest videos that I've done and, you know, a lot of agents, we want to sell, right? We want, we, we want commissions. We want to sell, we need leads. So what I've done is done videos talking about not so much the great things about Austin and selling Austin, but what you really should like, you know, expect things in the market like that. So, uh, one video that continues to crush for me is the biggest regret moving to Austin. I took an article, this guy had written an article about why he didn't like, you know, his time in Austin. And I debunked a lot of the things he said. I made fun of him a little bit and I agreed with him on some parts. So creating content that isn't just a two minute video, but maybe an eight, 10 minute video where you can articulate uh, what you're seeing in the market or what you're seeing in your space and just being transparent. You know, I get a lot of seller leads now because I'm telling sellers like, Hey, these, this is what you're going to uh, see in the market. So be prepared for it. They're calling me like, Hey, no better guy to help me than you because you're telling me already what to do. So, and the same thing with buyers. I mean, all of that stuff, all these old videos about neighborhoods and stuff like that, you can repurpose those videos, which we'll talk later. We'll repurpose those videos and be like, man, the prices were this price. Let's talk about the new prices of this neighborhood. So fun stuff like that. There's so much you can do content wise. And the most effective ways to still drive traffic over to your website, even today, is continuing 100%. to upload new content, right? Blogging yep. is so Every powerful. Week. Consistency. And obviously, your email list. At the bottom of this article uh, that I'm referencing, which you can find on BAM Marketing, that last year is not days, we give an example of just a simple blog that we're using with my team in Connecticut, real estate team, where we're ranking in the top five of multiple different ca tax categories nationally through blogging because people are searching. They're going to search that year after year after year. What are the mill rates? You know, if you do mill rates in your area or how is my home going to be taxed? What, what's the assessment? All these different things and creating content around that is just going to keep repopping up into people's search categories and give you traffic on the website. Dustin, your thoughts. It's really smart to build a foundation of evergreen content. So podcast, YouTube, Pinterest, um, all, all searchable. You know, I, I still have people who come across my stuff from like episode 20 of the Massive Agent podcast. It's bizarre. They'll just find these, you know, four-year-old episodes. And the same thing um, happens with, with YouTube videos and, and blogs, of course. It, it's just so smart to do that. And then the social media content is short-lived you know some of it lives a little bit longer like you know jason said TikToks, but that social content just drives awareness to your other stuff and vice versa so it just creates this ecosystem of people can find you in all these different places in all these different ways and once they get into your ecosystem they're seeing you everywhere and that's when you that's when they make a connection with you that that's when they connect with you and decide hey i like i like jeremy's uh, delivery of this message. I like how he taught about this one aspect of Austin and then they like him and then they reach out and hire him and he's sleeping or he's boating or he, he's golfing or doing something or recording other videos while all this is happening in the background. It, it's, it's just such an intelligent foundation to build. The problem, I don't really think it's a problem, but it is for a lot of people is it takes a minute to build. 
You know, it, yeah. it, it doesn't happen in a week. It doesn't happen in a month. You've got to build it over time. But if you're intelligent and you do good stuff and you're constantly improving, then pretty soon it's like, you know, somebody opens up the faucet and it's just, you know, the, the leads are, are flowing in. Get a little bit better every day, add a little bit more every week, stay consistent. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I mean, look, <clears throat> the, the biggest thing is agents overthink it from the beginning, right? I had to do this, this, and this, and this. Look, here's the biggest thing. People ask me, which video gets you the most business? Which video gets you the most business? I could, I don't even know. The, the reality is, is when people are looking and they're searching, right? And they're going into Google, they're going to find a blog. Now, if they're on your website, they're going to go through and maybe read another blog and then another blog, and another blog. Now they're going to spend hours on your website and then they're going to go, oh, I need a contact this person. Same thing with a YouTube video. Somebody might watch a five minute video and then, Hey, recommendation. This guy has another video out and then another video, out, another video out. So you're right. It takes time and agents. We have this thing where we, you know, we'll try something for a few months and if it doesn't work, we're out. And that's the biggest thing that I found with YouTube and why we were successful is it took me five months really to get good, solid leads. But from month five to month 12, I was so busy. I was having a challenge putting out content. So I had to create a live stream funnel where I was doing live streams and, and creating this content that was still out there, which was a lot easier. So it wasn't all the editing, but then you got to put systems in place. So you stay consistent. And so that's the thing that we always fail to do is like, okay, now I'm doing this and I'm running around. I'm going to go sell homes now. Cause this makes me money. No, the thing that makes you money is a lead generation. So continue to do the lead generation part. Man, I love it. I love it. All right, let's 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 go to the last topic here. Repurposing content. Eric, you, you brought this up before the show. I, I think it's brilliant because I'm seeing it. We, you know, we at BAM, we can create content out of thin air sometimes with this whole EXP story, but uh, <laughs> it, it is a tough month for content. So what do you mean by repurposing old content? Yeah, I feel like... Personally, I'm in a huge content lull right now. And I, normally I'm posting 10, 15 stories a day, three to four feed posts per day. And I'm finding it harder and harder to come out with content. Maybe that's because I've been out of production now for a year and I can't just think of the jokes off the top of my head anymore or just because I'm in a little creative lull. But one thing I do um, that I've always done pretty well is I dip back into my old content, repurpose a video. I could choose a caption, make that caption into a video. I can make a video into a tweet. I can make a tweet into a meme. I could literally repost the same video, but use a different audio or put captions on it or use a different caption above. And that always performs well. So what you have to do is you have to realize that your followers from 2018, 2019 are not the same as your followers from 2020, 2021. So I always try to be original with every post, but... I have to be conscious of the fact people haven't seen content I've posted in 2016. So I'll go to other videos that I posted so long ago and actually turn them into reels. And then they've already had success in the past. So I know that works. So repurposing old content, reposting old videos, going into your, your, uh, your comment section, going into your old captions and stuff, and just getting content from yourself is such like a boost instead of just trying to source it from other people. So I think it's really effective. In a month like July where everyone's on vacation and there just seems to be a general lull, I think it's a great strategy. The the comment strategy, I think, is brilliant. That mortgage guy, Scott Bentley, is doing a great job of that right now on TikTok. He's just taking comments and making videos. He's literally just walking in his neighborhood, shooting video, replying to the comment, and creating another piece of content. So it's just like this building effect that every time somebody comments, Boom, he's creating another video around the comment itself. 
he gets a lot of comments. I get it, but you, you could take, you could pick one of the two comments if you're only getting two comments and make another piece around that and start building. Dustin? <laughs> There's so many, we overthink it, right? There's so many ways to refresh yourself when you're when you're feeling that creative lull and look i go through that too i've been moving over the last few days and so i haven't posted nearly as much but same here with with anything that you're doing in business it makes sense to do what works like look at look at somebody who's done what you want to do and do those things and same thing with content look at what's worked in the past and then just redo it maybe you just repost it so you're not even redoing it but what i've learned from watching other creators is they'll find that certain video topics just hit and they'll just take that topic, re-record another video, and maybe they say kind of the same message, but just reworded with different lighting, different something, different title, and it's a whole new piece of content. And let's be honest, nobody remembers the video that you posted three weeks ago. So yeah, uh, nobody remembers it. it and nobody's seen it. There, there's some right. crazy statistic that less than, I don't know, 1% or something of your followers actually like see your content. Maybe it's not 1%, yeah. maybe it was 10%. But when you calculate that with the new followers you're getting on a daily basis, repurposing that old content is definitely the move. And Jeremy, how often have you shot one video and then a month later essentially shot the the same topic but just taking it from another angle? How often have you done that on your YouTube? Uh, I do it all the time. So really I have four buckets of content that I do. So I'm repurposing some, you know, I have like a market update, right? It's, it's totally different. This month is different, but I always refer back to what happened that month or what I said in that video. So I repurpose a lot of stuff. I mean, one of my buckets, I talk about new construction, right? Things people are facing in new construction. So I, I just put out a video yesterday about that. So I do it a lot. One thing that you said is or two things. Number one, repurposing old content is fantastic, especially when you're having a lull or just having issues trying to put stuff out. Because here's the thing. Here's one thing we haven't talked about at all. Content, great. Engagement is where it's at. Because the engagement, so you might've gotten some engagement on old video. Mm -hmm. You repurpose that and get re-engagement. Somebody's going, I watched this video a year ago. Yeah, you did. But I said this last time and now you've created more engagement. So what happens with that video on YouTube or Instagram, or whatever, now it can start putting out in more places. So creating the engagement part of it is what people don't talk about most. And that's why a lot of YouTube channels take so long to get um, going is because you don't say things in your videos that create engagement. So, um, if you're creating engagement by using old videos, perfect, do it, but create that. And the other thing is watch other creators content watch. I mean, I watch the, I've made videos basically because I saw something, uh, uh, Eric did, you know, a couple months ago about agents doing this. So I'll do a video on it. The comment section, I've made thousands of dollars off my comment section by just taking a comment. Like this is a good idea for a video. Somebody yesterday wrote a comment on my live stream. I'm going to do a video on that because it was a, like, I didn't even think about doing a video on that. And it's crazy. Good comment. Yeah. I'm, I'm sourcing like 80% of my content right now from my comment section and yeah, it's from Facebook comments, from Instagram comments. I mean, we talked about it last week with flip flop gate. That was from an Instagram comment. So yeah. Go, going back and then also you could take longer videos that you've done and repurpose them, make them 10 second videos. Like if you saw the retention dropped off at a certain point, do the first five seconds of that video, do the first 10 seconds. So you are your own content bank, which is awesome. And here's the best source that agents, I just don't think that they realize that it's right in front of your face. Facebook is the best place to pull content ideas wow. for YouTube, other places. 
Because here's what's happening. Just like on Instagram or wherever, people are talking in the comments. On Facebook, people get heated. I mean, I stay off Facebook because I get heated on Facebook. But you go into a moving to website or, you know, uh, page or whatever, and you just drop a comment like, what's the biggest thing you face when moving to Austin? And then, or wherever. And then, boom, everybody's going to write your content for you. Yeah. They've done go, it for you. Go to You're lab code to, agents. Yeah. For, so, for comments and content. <laughs> No, All these places are the it's the best. That's how I get so much of mine. Facebook groups, yeah. real estate hacks, lab code agents, top producers, our Instagram one or our yeah. Facebook one. It's content machines. Eric, but before we sign off, you you mentioned something about maybe being in a content lull because you're not in production. You're focused on, you know, uh, creative direction of BAM and and so on. I want to get Dustin and Jeremy's take. How important is it? Obviously, the contributors of BAM, and so this is a selfish question, maybe for me and Eric, but if you're if you're following BAM's journey, you might be interested in it too. That how important is it for all of our contributors, like my, me owning a business, you know, that that is real estate, you know, sixty plus people in a business um, that sells real estate. How important is it for the BAM contributor list to be in the game, Dustin? I, I think it's vital, but in the game doesn't necessarily mean you have to drive across town and open doors and write the offers yourself. I think you need to be involved. Agree. You need to be involved in real estate. So I've been out of production for a few years, and, but I have you know a couple hundred agents that I talk to on a daily basis. So I'm still involved in their transactions. I'm still involved with what's happening and the trends of the industry and all of that. So if you if you remove yourself completely and you just go golfing all day that becomes a problem because then you start to forget all the little intricacies of being an agent. But as long as you're still involved somehow, that's all you need. Eric, what time's your tea time today, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> 3.30. 3.30 <laughs> Lapa Lama Country Club, actually. I've got to get a couple of so posts up before that. Jerry, go ahead. Yeah. Look, I, I think it, it takes some merit to it, right? I don't think you have to be in full production to understand what's happening in real estate or be able to read data. I do find it pretty hysterical when there are full YouTube channels out there saying the market's going to crash, yet the dude does never sold real estate, doesn't own real estate, or have any real estate in his portfolio, yet giving real estate advice. So I think there's, you know, there's a disconnect at a certain point if you're going to be completely out of production. But what... Uh, what do we call you? The the mash mash hole? What about, what's his name? Massive the, agent. Massive, massive agent. Sorry. You, you don't Sorry. you never mash met Dustin hole. before? You never I've met never, Dustin before this? People tried me all the time because huh. I just focus on what I have going on. I don't pay attention to other stuff. Wow, so. what a what a Damn. you guys have really meshed on this pod. So yeah, it's it's, it's good. Great. It, you know, Katie Day gives me a hard time because she's always like, Hey, do, do you know this person or that person? I'm like, no clue. What do you mean? I'm like, I, I focus on what I got going on. So That's good, I man. think respect. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's really good to be in production. Yeah. I don't think you absolutely have to be in production to really understand what's going on. All right. So we found the one guy in the industry that doesn't know of the massive agent podcast, but if you're sitting there thinking, Hey, I'm number I two, I met Glenda Baker and had no idea who she was <laughs> that, that, like that face one, to face. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, but I met you and had no idea who you are. Oh, like you're you asking know. me YouTube you, stuff, and I'm like, oh shit, this guy's really cool. You you knew because because then uh, I looked at your your Instagram. You were liking everything. You you no, were, you actually were... said the same thing to me, Jeremy. We were driving back from that Tom Ferry thing, and you said, I have no idea who you are. Yeah. This is so I think that's kind of just a thing you do. You like <laughs> telling people sh- you don't know this who is they a are. Stick of it's Jeremy's. a shtick, exactly. Yeah, you're so cool. You're in your own lane doing YouTube. Yeah, he's aloof. Well, yeah. I'll yeah. tell I'll tell you right now. These are two 
two guys that are doing it right. We appreciate them come coming on this pod, having a little bit of fun with the whole, you know, EXP and, and the numbers uh, article that we did and real being a big part of that. You know, Jeremy being at real, it was, it was really fun. But if you're not following these guys, make sure you're following the massive agent podcast. It's an, abs- it right it's an absolute banger. Jeremy's going to do it right now. And, and by the way, go, go subscribe to Jeremy's YouTube channel. We'll put these both in the links. Jeremy is someone who, when you look at how do I make effective content for my local community, not, nobody's really doing it better than what Jeremy's doing. So uh, appreciate you guys. Thanks for coming on. We're going to get that EXP real debate going, whether Tamir and Glenn sign off on it or not. Love for them to be involved, by the way, but I don't think that'll happen. We'll, we'll just we'll just keep screenshotting the deleted tweets. And uh, we'll keep we'll keep showing them to you on BAM. All right. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you on next week's walkthrough. Thanks, Thanks. guys.